The world needs heroes to protect us from bad takes. There once was a man named Paul who said that Star Trek was better than Star Wars, and we can't stand for this type of injustice. Join the fight against bad takes and support the show over at MultiplayerSquad.com. But Josh, I'm scared of Patreon, but still want to help. What can I do? Well, future hero, you can now subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and get amazing rewards like two bonus episodes each week, early access, and ad-free episodes. Paul said it's more so that you don't have to listen to my terrible intros anymore, but we all know how bad his takes are. Now, on to the show. Hello, fellow gamers. Welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are a family-friendly video game podcast that releases two episodes every week. If you like what we do here and want to help support the show, please become a Patreon supporter at MultiplayerSquad.com. Not only will you help our independent show, which is funded by our listeners, you will also get two exclusive Quick Take episodes every week and early access to the episodes. And as always, we would appreciate it if you would rate our podcast five stars on Apple and Spotify. Now, today is Thursday, which means we're going to be breaking down This Week in Gaming. I am your host, Paul, and joining me is the man who told me this week that he wished he was a developer for Bungie. It's Josh. Hey, man. After the article <laughs> we're about to talk about, I do wish I was a developer for Bungie, even though I don't like Destiny at all. <laughs> Put me in, coach. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, let's let's just get right into it, Josh. We had so many news stories that we we're able to talk about this week. The last two weeks were a little bit light. This week had no shortage of stories. I feel like this is our recurring segment now of of who acquired who. In This Week in Gaming, every week there's another big acquisition, and this week news dropped that Sony is acquiring Bungie for $3.6 billion, and you know a lot of people thought that this was a response to Microsoft buying out Activision Blizzard, but that is actually not the case. Sony was already in the talks of this for months before that news had broken out. But Josh, why don't you tell the people, why do you wish that you're a developer at Bungie? <laughs> um, I want to make Destiny actually a good that, game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that really why, Josh? <laughs> or is it that lottery ticket that you got hey, for free? I take a lot of flack from people for not liking Destiny. Uh, yeah. A guy on Twitter the other day, after our best space game uh, episode, he was mm -hmm. like, dude, no Destiny? And I actually responded, and I was like, hey, this is Josh. I, I don't like Destiny, man. Sorry. <laughs> and he was like, all right, well, fair enough. But no, uh, this is actually really cool. So one of the uh, the kind of news articles that came out about this whole acquisition of Bungie by Sony was that a large portion, I think a third of the $3.6 billion that they spent to acquire Bungie is actually going towards developer retention. Yeah. And so what that means is if you work for Bungie as a as a game developer and I, I you know there's like 900 people there that do that. Yep. So I'm assuming this means the artists and the audio people and the graphical people and all that stuff. They they have an incentive where they are dedicating a ton of money, a third, so almost a billion dollars 
uh, of this money to retain the 900 developers over the course of the next few years. What that means for them is that if they stick around and continue to do development, that they will each likely earn a million dollars. A million dollars each for all of the 900 developers. How cool is that? I thought that was really neat. You know, it's, I it's love like, hearing it's, that. It's like one thing with the acquisition if shareholders are making money or the people at the top. But, you know, Bungie has had such a funny history of acquisitions. They were part of Take-Two. They were a part of Microsoft. They were a part of Activision Blizzard for a while. They bought their way out. Now they're under Sony. So at least it's not just like the people at the top who are able to make all the money. We do have $1.2 billion going toward those 900 developers, which is pretty wild. So if you're willing to stick around, they've got a huge payday coming up, which is pretty awesome. It really is because we, I mean, (laughs) how often do we hear in the gaming industry about crunch, right? Like, you know, there's this crunch time before a game is released and all of the developers wind up having to work like 16 hour days. They don't get to see their families on the weekends. And there's been, I mean, this is kind of most of the time when we hear things like that, it's, you know, how hard these people are worked. I, I've never looked into what the salary of a game developer is. I, I've always just assumed it's good, but not great because you get yeah. to develop video games for a living. Um, but it was really neat to actually see an article that said, hey, we value these people immensely. We're going to put our money where our mouth is. And so you know, $1.2 billion going towards the developers. And again, that's not $1.2 billion going to the CEO. This is actually <laughs> right. going to the people that make the games that we play. And I love seeing that because I think it's going to incentivize a lot of really talented people to stick around. Yes. I just I really hope that they move away from destiny as part of this <laughs> process. Well, uh so they're not going to move away from destiny at least initially. So this is kind of a, a little bit of an insight <laughs> of like why would Sony buy Bungie? It kind of like begs that question because the first thing that people kind of worried about was does this mean Destiny is going to be taken off Xbox? Is it going to become a PlayStation exclusive? They have already come out and said no. It is not going to change the cross-platform play of Destiny. Bungie can continue working on Destiny exactly as they were before. Sony is not coming in and forcing them to develop a new game. So people are kind of like, well, then why are you acquiring the studio? Well, the fact that a third of the money is going toward employee retention, I think, is definitely a hint as to what they're doing. Now, we have talked about on this show so many times the enormous success of the xbox game pass now playstation has said we've got some things in the works we know a little bit about what their offering is going to be but we don't know a ton but we do know that sony has partnered with discord discord is going to start rolling out for playstations and also we see that they bought out bungie now bungie is one of the world leaders of live services for gaming. So the fact that Sony clearly wants to keep the talent on board, I think this is going to make more sense down the road when we know exactly what that PlayStation Live service looks like. Clearly this must be a part of it. Yeah, I mean definitely. That that's the angle that they're going for. Uh I have read some other articles cuz really trying to dig into this just a little bit to see because I, my initial reaction was they did this because 
of the Microsoft acquisition. <laughs> it right? also stops Microsoft from buying Bungie. Right. So it was kind of like, <laughs> we have to buy something. Somebody name a developer. And somebody was like, ah, Bungie. <laughs> you know, but though they, they did say, hey, this has been in the works for like five or six months now. It just so happens that everybody signed on the dotted line after the huge acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft. Um, you know, and so that was already in progress. The the thing with Sony, and I think that what we're going to see branch out from this is I think that Sony is looking beyond just gaming at this point, and they're looking at IP. I've always said, I think the Destiny universe is great. I think that the game is beautiful. There's a lot of lore there. It gets a little lost in the game itself. But I could see Sony making a Destiny movie. You know, and as much as I love space and sci-fi and that kind of stuff, if they if they make it to where it's not so hard to follow, like the game, I would be a hundred percent down with going to watch Destiny when it comes out at the movie theaters or something like that. And so it's very, very likely that Sony is going to use these IPs in other ways other than just game releases. And that's pretty exciting as well. And so because now that they own the rights to that, they can kind of do what they want with it. Oh, yeah, I, I'm sure you're right. Uh, as we say this, you know, Uncharted is coming out. That's a Sony feature. So the fact that Sony also now has the Destiny IP, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure we'll see some kind of TV show and or movie down the pipeline. And that really serves as a really nice transition because while we're talking about TV shows and movies, guess what else is being adapted for the screen, Josh? Uh, it Halo. takes two. I, uh, what? It takes two. <laughs> it takes two. The, oh my goodness! The the winner of many Game of the Year awards. Uh, a lot of people really enjoyed. It takes two, and so we got word this week that it is being adapted for the big and the small screen. They have projects for TV and movies, Josh, which kind of boggles my mind because it takes two. Barely has a story, if we're being honest. Right. It's really just about a couple getting divorced, and they learn that they have to communicate and talk to each other, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's great. That It's not like when you're adapting Lord of the Rings, Dude. or if you're trying to adapt Harry Potter or something. <sighs> like, if you strip the gameplay out of It Takes Two... I don't know that you have anything all that interesting. There's nothing interesting there. <laughs> I, I like. I don't get this, man. I don't want to slander. Either. It takes two because, like I said, I think I was unnecessarily harsh on that game. In hindsight, it's plenty fine. Um, just because something does well doesn't mean that you need to try to milk it for everything that it is worth. And I cannot imagine an It Takes Two sitcom or movie or <laughs> Netflix series. I, like that makes yeah. absolutely zero sense to me at all. The 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 overall plot, and this is not a spoiler, is a kid that's trying to save her parents from getting from divorced. I feel like that's been on every sitcom that's ever existed in all some form They've or another. Like that's been done a <laughs> million times. So why would yep. somebody go, hey, it takes two one game of the year. We need to uh we need to lock down some movie rights for that. <laughs> This one just really boggles my mind. Now, I'm assuming these are probably animated projects. I really have trouble picturing how you could do any kind of live version, although I would be very curious to know who you're going to cast 
as Dr. Hakeem. I feel like if it were back in the 90s, someone like Robin Williams could probably yes. do a really good Actually, job. Actually, he could pull that off very well. <laughs> but what a weird project. Like, all of It Takes Two, the parts that work of that game, is the physical cooperation with a partner playing the game and making decisions, dragging that stupid elephant across the floor like you actively doing it that's what sticks out about that game passively watching it on the screen i have zero interest you know what scares me what is the fact that somebody pitched this idea to somebody else and that person went hey you know what i i like your vision buddy like (laughs) dude (laughs) if you think go fire that guy (laughs) (laughs) well you know what the problem might be the problem might be DJ2 Entertainment. So that is the company that is partnering to adapt It Takes Two. Now, Josh, I went to their website. By the way, they don't even have a Wikipedia page, but they do have their website. They are currently working on adaptations of It Takes Two, Tomb Raider, Disco Elysium, Little Nightmares, Life is Strange, and Sleeping Dogs. Apparently, what? they're just taking every video game known to man and trying to make shows and or movies. I, I think this is kind of wild. How how on earth do you make a TV show based on Disco Elysium? Like, I really don't understand what we're doing at this point. I don't know. The only game in that... I mean, I recognize the other titles, but the only one that stood out to me where it was like, okay, this could be good is Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Sure, because yeah, they've already made like, multiple so movies. Why are you going for all these <laughs> off-brand games? Like that, I don't know, man. That's very strange to me. That's just silly. There's so many other video games out there that are begging for you know a movie to be made, like a good, high-quality movie. Like, okay. The the Halo series, the live action Halo series, it's going to release on Paramount Plus, right? I watched yeah. the trailer that they released during you know the halftime for the uh, I think it was maybe the championship NFL game, not championship, but divisional uh, NFL game. And I'm watching this. You and I are huge Halo fans, and I just kind of went like, I mean, I'm not real excited about that. Yeah, and it's kind of like you know, it's the Halo universe. Somebody could do this right. But if they can't do it right for the Halo universe, how are you going to make a show about It Takes Two? I it just I, it boggles the mind for me, man. I'm totally with you. I feel like this is just so indicative of like video games and movies and shows in general is that you have one that's successful and everyone else just assumes they can do the same thing. Like the Halo series just looks an awful lot like The Mandalorian to me. Like we got a dude who always wears his helmet. Let's go ahead and just make a TV show that's similar to Mandalorian, but it's based in Halo. And then similarly, uh, for adapting these these video games, like we can look at the last 30 years and how many good movies do we have based on games? There's like maybe two to three, right? Yeah. But then The Witcher does so well that I feel like everyone's just snatching up every possible property, and most of these are not going to be very good. Now, I will say... DJ2 Entertainment did do the Sonic movie. All right, so they oh, have done it well once. Okay, I liked the Sonic movie. But Sonic kind of lends itself well to movies, but even there, they totally changed the lore, and it's like, Sonic, is, isn't he like an alien, and he runs so fast, he like time travels? They thought he was an alien. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. So even that stuff, they kind of like switch around. So I don't know what they're going to do with It Takes Two, but I feel like you need to really change a lot in order to make it entertaining to watch but 
Maybe they'll do it. Maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of their hat. I don't know. Zero interest from me, (laughs) buddy. (laughs) All right. Next up is a story that you and I both said we wanted to talk about. Google Stadia, which has been around for a few years now, is being deprioritized for individual consumers. It means they are no longer going to push Google Stadia for the individual user. Instead, they are rebranding it as Google Stream, and they are providing cloud game streaming to game publishers and studios. So that kind of makes sense to me. Like, if you want to be able to test a current build of a game, you can use Google Stream so that way users at home don't have to download and install newest versions. All of it can be done over cloud streaming. But this is a really big rest in peace for Google Stadia. I am not the kind of person to say I told you so. Uh, all right, really, I am. But I told everybody out there, I, I when Google Stadia was announced, and I think we might have been doing the podcast at that time. It was probably an earlier episode. I don't remember. But I do remember ridiculing Google Stadia and saying, I don't think this is ever going to see... Like, this is not going to take off. This is going to fail miserably. And lo and behold... I told you because now they're going, uh, we can't keep the, you know what it is? They can't keep up with Game Pass. That's really what, what it is because Google Stadia was a game streaming service to where you could subscribe and have access to all these games and you did not need any sort of hardware whatsoever. I mean, you needed a yep. computer to play on, but it would process. You didn't need a graphics card. You didn't need any of that stuff. And then it would just stream it to you. So there was some benefit there, but. I, you know, I just went, dude, this is never going to catch on. And it, it, apparently Google agreed with me and they said, Hey, Josh, thanks for the <laughs> advice. You know, we're going to, we're going to shelve this and instead we're going to use the technology and put it out there for people that need it, which I think is actually really smart. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think there's definitely a good use for it. And I still think there could be an application for this down the road. Now, Google Stadia are not the first people to do this. I mean, like six years ago, I remember paying for PS Now or whatever their version was where you could play PlayStation 3 games on your PC and it was all run on a server offsite running on a PS3 and you were streaming it to your desktop. And that was really handy because I didn't have a PS3 and I wanted to play the old God of Wars. And I was able to do it on PC. Now, the idea of being able to just immediately launch a game without any kind of downloading, without any kind of need of a graphics card, I think that there is like a a niche for this. I just don't know if now is the right time. Like People are constantly telling us in our Discord server, I've been trying to download this game for four days, and I still can't download it because it's so big, I'm giving up. So if you are someone that has a really bad internet connection, or if you can't afford a graphics card, or if there's such a demand for graphics cards that you literally can't buy a new one, it would be really cool just to be able to dial up a game. Like, I, the only game I ever played on Stadia was Immortals Phoenix Rising. And you know what? It looked great, it played great, and it literally launched in one second. And yeah. it was very cool, but I have a gaming PC, so I'm gonna buy these games and play them locally. For people who can't afford a gaming PC, I'm sure there are some people out there that are a little bit bummed, but maybe we're going to see something more down the road. Yeah, I I mean, I'm sure that we will. And I like that they're making the technology available to people because I think there is a lot of use for that tech. I just... I don't know why it didn't click. And again, you know, not to toot my own horn here, but it was like, I I don't think this is going to work. 
um, too soon, maybe overshadowed by Game Pass and some of these other services that are coming about. Dude, this this has existed. You mentioned for your PS3. Dude, I had something called Sega TV way, <laughs> way back in the days of the Sega Gen... Well, maybe it wasn't Sega Genesis, but there was... I had Sega TV that I remember playing long, long ago that my parents got me for Christmas one year, and I had never even heard of it. And we had it for like three months, and then I guess they went, yeah, we're not paying for this anymore. But so these streaming... These game streaming services have existed in one form or another for quite some time. I just don't think anybody has gotten it to catch on. Yeah. I think the peak of Google Stadia was Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Like, do you yeah, remember how famously that was it ran really well? That that was, <laughs> yes, I do remember that because so whatever they figured out, who knows? But <laughs> yeah, famously, it actually ran really well on Stadia, especially compared to like, you know, PS4 and whatnot. Uh, all right. Next piece of news here is. Hardly news, I guess. It's not even really a story, but we did get an update this week from Rockstar about GTA 6. Uh, Wait, you mean it does exist, Paul? Josh, because they, they said it didn't way back. They, <laughs> they confirmed <laughs> that they are making a GTA 6, which I think is what everyone's already known for a very long time, but it is nice to at least get an official acknowledgement. Rockstar said, yes, it is in development. We've been working on it for quite some time. We're excited to share more news in the future. So we are now nine years past the release of GTA V, and we now have our first confirmation that they're working on six. <laughs> I think I saw something in the article. I don't know if this was who wrote the article or if it was part of the conversation. I'm pretty sure it was not part of the conversation, but there was mention of like a 2024 slash 2025 release date yeah, for what window. people would think, you know, this would, this would make sense. Um, there's really not much to take away here. I, I mean, nobody is shocked by this news. Everybody assumed that this was happening. There is some really neat technology that they licensed, um, or they patented, I guess you should say, uh, in regards to like NPC behaviors and like AI modeling and stuff. So you can tell that they're trying to make whatever GTA six is going to be even more grand and impressive, which is what they need to do, right? That's We talked about yep. that on an episode a while back, about how every iteration of GTA has been phenomenally better than the iteration before, with just how the game has expanded, the graphics, driving, whatever, right? And so I feel like they're going to do that with GTA 6. I just don't know how long that's going to take. So really no shocker news here for anybody. It was just interesting to have them come out and say it. The one tidbit that everybody wanted to focus on here is that it says it's well into development. So this yeah. is not like, hey, guys, we decided we're going to make GTA 6. <laughs> Surprise. They kind of went, we've actually been making this game for quite some time, and it's well along the way. <laughs> well, that's one of the funny things. Like People act like a studio can only work on one game at a time. There's almost this like perception out there that every person who's a part of the GTA team has just been developing GTA online. And then we got to flip the switch and let's put every single person on the GTA six project. Yeah. It's been in development already for a while. I think that that's really encouraging. I can't help but wonder because it, you, you cannot screw up 
GTA and Red Dead Redemption. These are kind of our last two unassailable series where they're going to make a billion dollars, right? As long as it is a, a good game, it's going to be a smash success. You can't screw this up. Cyberpunk came out and it failed so bad. I don't know that we're ever going to get a sequel, which really makes me sad because I loved the story and the idea of Cyberpunk so much. So I wonder if they have just been scrapping idea after idea after idea until it clicks and starts to work. Like I remember one video game developer talking about how it's such a luxury when you have such a large budget that you can just scrap code and scrap ideas and say, you know what? This isn't working. Or this main character, I'm not connected to them. Scrap it. We just got to start over. And maybe they've done that a couple of times. We don't know any of the details. But I'm just happy to know it's well in in progress. If they're going to take their time until it's right, you and I have been on record a thousand times saying that's fine with us. I just want it to be the best GTA in the series, which is asking for a lot. I know that. They're already nine years in on this, and we're going to get a few more. I, I... it's fine. I hope it's a great product in the end. I, I have all the faith in the world that it will be. Like, oddly enough, you know, as far as that goes, there are a few developers that will not rush products out the door because their reputation hinges on that. And I think they're not afraid CD- to spend. Well, These and games that's the cost thing. hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. But when you have enough money to spend, you are not desperate to release at that point. And I think yeah. that's something that we saw with CD Projekt Red is Cyberpunk had so much hype and it had been so long since The Witcher 3 that I think their backs were up against the wall and they went, dude, we have to release a game. We need money. You know, and so we have to release this game because this is where all of our income is going to come from. And so they were pressured into that. And I think with GTA, Red Dead, you know, I, I think the developers have enough money that they don't need to rush the product. And I think that they know that their reputation hinges on that. And so they'll take the time that they need to do that, which is what we wish every developer would do. But I don't doubt that GTA 6 is going to be absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I I don't know how many of our listeners are also sports fans, but it's kind of like drafting for the position you need versus drafting the best player. Every year, if you draft the best player, it's kind of like the rising tide lifts all ships. Like you're going to have a better overall team. If you end up stacked at one position, you can always move guys around. You're going to have injuries, but generally it's best to just draft the best players. And I feel like when you're forcing studios to just release games early to make that quick buck... You're just, you're too short-sighted. And I think that Take-Two knows that. I mean, they're enormous, right? They have all of these different IPs. They can delay a game because they have several others that are going to come out and and give them that revenue and that income. Red Dead Redemption 2, I had to look it up. They estimate it costs $540 million to make. To so make? They'll, take, they'll take a whole decade and half a billion dollars to make the game because they know in the end it's going to make them a bigger profit. So I think you and I still have faith in Rockstar. It it would have been nice to have GTA 6 by now, but what are you going to do, right? When the game's ready and it's right, we're going to get it. Yeah. Now, our last story of the week is a game that I think you're a little bit more excited about than I am, but this is a game called Sifu that we have not talked about, and this game will have just released on February 8th, 
Why don't you tell the people a little bit about this single player beat 'em up game? I so what's weird is I actually looked into this game a little bit and it wasn't I, I knew nothing about the gameplay at the time, but I remember reading an article that talked about a game that handled death in a very unique way. And that way that it did it was it aged you. Mm-hmm. And and I went, oh, that's kind of neat. And the, you know, there was one or two screenshots at the time there wasn't any gameplay. Uh, and it showed you as like a young man, and then it showed you as this old bearded, you know, like Asian man, like a you know, like an old kung fu master kind of thing. And and you, that's the same guy in the game. And so what they were saying is, is that when you die, you can you can resurrect yourself, and when when you do that, you age each year for your death count. So the first time you die, you age one year. The second time you die, you age two years. Your death count counts up each time. So if you've died ten times. Every time you die and you come back, you're going to age a decade at that point. Yeah. And so I thought this was a very neat mechanic because there's perks and there's pros and cons that come along with that. As you get older, you're considered to have mastered your Kung Fu. So your guy does more damage with each hit, but you're older and you're more frail. So you take more damage (laughs) with each hit. And I just thought this was the coolest concept. It's a very, very clever idea. So the the other thing that I think really stands out in watching the gameplay and in reading reviews that are already out there is that the combat is buttery smooth when you watch this. The the graphics themselves are not fantastic. It almost looks to me almost a little Sea of Thieves-ish in in like animation yeah. style. So it doesn't look next gen, but it does run incredibly smoothly where you're seamlessly doing parries and dodges. And it also interacts with the environment. So you'll see, like, you'll throw a guy into a table and it kind of like explodes, pieces of paper go everywhere. But then you can pick items up off the floor and start hitting someone with it. Or you can throw the item. You can kick items straight off the floor into another guy. It really does seem like the first game that is going to capture what it would be like to be a Kung Fu master. This is not like the Batman or Spider Man games where you're just hitting. A, 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 block, A, 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 A. This one is very complex, and it requires a lot of precise timing. You get hit a lot. You have to block a lot. If you block too much, they break your stance, and you take a bunch of damage. So it looks a lot more complicated than your typical beat-em-up game. Yeah, I watched the full gameplay, or actually it was the video review on this because I was very curious to see, you know, oh, I've been kind of looking into this game here and there. And first things first, they gave it a 9 out of 10 on IGN, which is very, very high praise for this game. Uh, And part of the review was saying that this is one of the best beat-em-up games I have ever played like in my life. They were saying that it's so fluid. The combat, you have so many options in how you want to fight. Uh, like you said, there's blocks, there's parries, there's dodges, you know, I mean, all of that stuff. And they were saying it's hard. <laughs> like, that's the thing that I loved about it was that, you know, the guy was saying there's a few parts where it's kind of frustrating because you're going to lose repeatedly and you have to, you know, you have to go back through like part of the level or something like that. But if you watch the footage on this game, I think it looks incredible. I really have this itch to want to play this game. 
Yeah. Um, the the only issue is is that we have so many games either coming up or in progress right now that I'm worried that this game is going to fall off of my radar. So what I need to do is go wish list this game so I don't forget about it because I really find myself drawn towards these types of games where you know the plot doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, there's those games where just the gameplay mechanics are so much fun that they keep you coming back. Right, Rocket League, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to bring it up again, but that's a game where there's nothing else other than the gameplay mechanics, and I absolutely love that game. So I feel like Sifu could be that in the sense that like, if I want to do some fighting, the mechanics in Sifu are so good that all I want to do is just go do some kung fu on some people. Yeah, and, and it does seem like it has a pretty interesting story, which is pretty basic. It's basically Kill Bill. Yeah, your family was murdered. You're hunting down the five assassins, and you're gonna kill them. So it's probably not a very complicated story, but at least it's a compelling reason for why you're gonna hunt down and kill these assassins. I think the only bummer is that they say it's about a ten hour game. That's a little sad. It's a little bit on the short side. the The, the one thing that was starting to make me chuckle was how much did you love the part where the guy said that he kept dying so he ran upstairs and all the guys are like single file on a bridge and he just keeps grabbing each one and throwing them off the ledge to their death yeah i thought that was the funniest thing in the world it's almost like the eighth guy is watching all seven in front of him get thrown off this ledge but still just runs up and it gets thrown off the ledge immediately. It's I like that. And I mean, it is kind of dumb from an AI perspective. They did say the AI in this game is actually really good. If you're not on this this narrow ledge, like they won't just wait their turns. They will try to pile They'll on fight. you and stuff like that. Yeah. But it like, let's be honest, as gamers, I know you've done it. I've done it. Like, how many times when you get into a tough situation do you try to figure out a way to cheese your way through it sometimes? Right. I feel like that's part of the fun of video games, you know, is going like, this is a really hard part. I don't think I'm going to beat this the normal way. Let's see if I can figure out a way to even the odds a little bit. Sure. Instead of fist fighting eight guys at once, run up the stairs, find this catwalk. Well, now guess what? They have to fight you single file. So I I don't blame like the game or the developer for that. It was just the the concept of that actually existing in real life just really made me chuckle. Um, but this one does look pretty neat. Unfortunately, you and I are just going to be playing Lost Ark, so yeah. this one will have and to Elden Ring, which will give me my melee combat <laughs> fix too. So, but I am going to wish list it because I think it looks really, really good, and I feel like it's a game that I would probably enjoy more than I think I would, which is yeah. already I think I would enjoy it. So I, I feel like I would be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I think you're right. It definitely looks like a, a really fun game to to test out. Well, that's all we have time for, Josh. This time flew by. That's This Week in Gaming. Tons of stories to talk about. There's a lot that we didn't even touch on this week. But thank you so much to everyone for listening. As a reminder, please rate us five stars. Leave a written review if your podcast allows. And if you want to be a Patreon supporter, head to MultiplayerSquad.com. Pledging starts at $5 a month, and that helps fund our show. And you'll also get those additional episodes and they will be ad-free, and you get early access. So it's a really great way to support the show. And even if you aren't able to do any of those things, just go tell someone about the show. You know, we want the show to grow by word of mouth. We would really appreciate it. And also, you can check us out, social media, everywhere, at Multiplayer Pod. That's it, man. I think that's it. That's so it. Let's, let's go play some Lost Ark. And- oh, 
can't go get our wait. MMO on. I can't wait. Please <laughs> let it be as good as we think it's going to be. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you on Monday. All right. See you, everybody.